Behind the Music Biz, a Raised Rowdy podcast hosted by Peyton Heben. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Music Biz, a Raise Rowdy podcast. This is episode number 10. I'm your host, Peyton Heben. On this episode, we are joined by a frequent co-worker of mine. He's a 22-year-old rising industry professional in the world of publicity, hailing all the way from Iowa. He's been in the industry since he was 13 years old, and he just recently launched his rebrand of his PR company, Perk PR and Creative Agency, as of February 1st. So please welcome my good friend, Trevor Perkins. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming over at nine something in the morning on a Saturday. The grind never stops. Yeah, I didn't even, I just got out of bed and got my slippers on over here. Yeah. Yeah, so I appreciate you coming. Yep, I'm freshly out of the shower for like 20 minutes, so we're good. Are you, are you working today? Are you a weekend worker? Um, sometimes it depends i'm very structured like i like to have my weekends off because i work so much during the week yeah i feel that i usually try and wake up uh still like the same time i would wake up during the week on the weekend just to stay in the routine but last night i stayed up to like two something um that's past your bedtime it is past my bedtime and i wasn't even out drinking i can't even get you to red door at that time (laughs) no not anymore i'm an old man now i'm 23 years old yeah, I'm, closer I'm to you than that. I was six months ago. I'm on the back end of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was watching the uh, the Gypsy Roast. I was diving into the Gypsy Rose stuff. Oh, yeah, the documentary. I haven't watched the documentary yet. I never watched the act. Oh, I have never seen that either, but I don't know if I ever want to see it. Yeah. Like, I watched the documentary, and I thought it was really interesting. But now she's, like, feuding online with people. So. Yeah, I saw that, and people think she might go back to jail. Uh, yeah, something about that. I don't know. This could turn into a true crime podcast. Honestly, I'm here for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, like I said, thanks for coming on. Of course. Um, We've been, uh, working together for a while now. Um, right. I think it's almost a year. Almost a year. It's about actually, you know what? The first time I met you in person was the day Morgan Wallen announced his uh, one thing at a time show at Bridgestone arena, the That's free right. show. Cause we, we met at assembly food hall yeah. while Bridgestone arena was like a, a riot. Yeah. I remember that people were trying to get those free tickets and it was like, yeah, we were there. Yeah. That was crazy. It was like a white girl apocalypse. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was March 3rd of, that was my birthday of Yeah, last so it's year. almost been a year. Yeah. Wow. It feels longer. Yeah, you've seen me grow as a person for sure. I mean vice versa. Yeah. I feel like we both have grown in even like the last three months. Yeah. Just from us being out, we would go to have the late nights at Red Door. So like now it's like I'm on the back end of my life. I don't do those things anymore. Yeah, I can't I like e- to I can't even tell you the last time I was at Red Door. And for me, Eight months ago, like I could have told you. Now I'm like I don't even remember when. Yeah. When I don't know, I can't even think of it. 
Yeah, I went to Red Door a few uh, oh, last weekend. Yeah, and I'm going tonight. Sick invite, bro. Come on out. We're going out for Bryson's birthday. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll see. We're going to uh, to Hopsmith. Okay. And then we're going to go hit Midtown. Probably like Winners, Losers, and Red Door. Those, I mean, those are the vibes. Yeah. I'm not doing the Broadway thing anymore. Like I said, I'm a matured man. After New Year's Eve on Broadway, <laughs> every time I go down there, I get PTSD. So I just kind of stay away from it. You went to... Broadway on New Year's Eve? I did. Did you have to buy tickets? Um, No. So we actually ended up at... Where were we? It's like one of those bars I would never think we ended up at. Um, Probably like Acme? No. It was like up higher on the strip. It was like right next to Tootsie's. Roberts? No. Western World? No. Because we were on the rooftop. I don't remember. All I remember is the bartender gave me a cucumber because I was hungry. (laughs) And I kept buying these sh- people like random shots and we had one white tea shot and then the rest from there was gone. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I was hanging out here in my place and then I walked down with my girlfriend to, uh, the show, the Nashville yeah. bash. Mm-hmm. That's very conveniently close right down the street um we were originally gonna go to that but i didn't i like i heard there was like such long waits and also you couldn't see and i was like well that what's the point of that so that was weird when we we lime scooter down there we didn't even have to wait in a line as soon as we hopped off the scooter we just walked in through security there was no line but it was packed and you could not see the stage that well there was yeah. something in the i don't know if it was just the cameras yeah probably but it was like I could see um, Leonard Skinner like a couple times, um, and then Touch like up. Lanny Lanny Wilson would come to the side stage, and you could see her from there. But it was like they looked like ants. It was like you were looking yeah. down on cars from an airplane. Yeah, no, I think those things are cool, but I also am like we hear them all the time, and like working in the industry, there's opportunities to yeah. see that, and so I'm just like let the tourists do the tourist thing, and yeah. I'm like. I wanted to just kind of check it off my list. I was like, I live right here. It's not like we're having to drive and oh, find yeah. parking. It's like. We can just, drinks are obviously expensive, so we were hitting the bottle pretty hard in here, and then we were just like, let's yeah. just lime scoot. We didn't drive lime scooter drunk. Ooh. <clears throat> Scoop Nashville, where are you? <laughs> yeah, don't do that, guys. But we did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. Um, so, you're 22 years old. Yes. I when I first met you, I was like, he's got to be like thirty. Most people probably think that, huh? Um, I don't know if they think thirty, but they definitely think that it's higher, yeah. like than what it is. I mean, even clients. Um, but like, I think like the biggest thing was is when I was actually like nineteen and twenty, and when I wasn't allowed to get into those places, and having to explain that, and then them like being like, "Oh my god, like I'm working with a nineteen year old, like what the hell?" Yeah. And so it was a transition, but we're here. Yeah. When I first met you, obviously it was a year ago. So you were 21. Mm-hmm. I was shocked, like truly shocked. I was like, what the, yeah. Cause you had been, I mean, you knew what you were doing. You had a long, like, I don't know if reputation is the right word, 
but like you had a long resume. Yeah. You had worked with a lot of people. Um, but, but yeah, I, th- I think it's so crazy that you're young and having the, um, like the experience in the industry almost 10 years. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, like if you add, if you look at the industry experience and you put that to a lot of the older professionals who are out here killing the game, like my resume is just as quality as theirs, but it's just because I've started so young. Yeah. So diving into that, when you were 13, like what was it that got you, that got you into loving the journalism PR side of things? Yeah. So, um, growing up, like, I don't think music was like very heavily, it was influenced in our house, but it was, I'm from a long line of truck drivers. And so like that, that was always the career path is what it was wanting to do. And I knew that wasn't what I was going to do. Um, but I just, I have a very creative process when it comes to like thinking and everything. And I very distinctly remember sitting at like a show and back home, we didn't get a lot of music. Like we're from a very small town. So seeing live bands, even if they're crappy or they're good, I mean, you take what you get. And so I remember just like sitting there and wanting to know like why they're doing it, how they're starting, what are they doing? And at the time, I never thought it would turn into anything that it did. So I was a 13-year-old who was new to Facebook and wanted to friend everyone that I possibly could. So I went around and I was like friending, friend spamming all these people. And then I just was like starting to message them. And I was like, hey, do you want to do an interview? Can we do an interview? So we just started from there. Um, There was one person I asked to do an interview with. And... That was my first encounter with like a manager and that manager took a shot on me and wanted to help me. And I'm very thankful for that opportunity. Um, we no longer work together, but without that, it wouldn't shape. So it just journalism and music kind of started it from there. And then from there, it kind of stemmed into PR and when I was about like 15 or 16, Um, we had this class in school and you had to choose a career. Like you had to choose what you wanted to do. And so I was like, okay, I want to do graphic design. That's what I want to do. And then I took a, like, I was like, no, that's not what I want to do. If I can write and I'm doing these interviews, then there's no reason why I can't do PR. So let's see if I can figure it out. So 16, um, from a very country driven industry, I decided to give a shot. Um, my company name was long arrow publicity. I have no idea where that came from, but it came from something and I just went with it. And then from there, my first client was a hip hop artist. Um, so completely different from everything that I'm doing now. And then from there, it just kind of grew and the pandemic hit in 2020 It was my senior year of high school, and I told myself that if I wanted to do this, this would be the time to take a gap year and give this a shot. Um, Just because I, like, you know, I didn't really see the future of being in college debt. It didn't make sense. So I was like, a year, live with the parents, we'll figure out what happens. So pandemic hit, year went by. And fast forward and here I am. 
Interesting. Um, so how that how did the move to Nashville work for you? Um, it was like Nashville has always been a part of it. There was no other option. Um, I had clients in New York, and I was even working with people in L.A. But like, as much as I am very city focused, I still want that sense of the hometown feel. Yeah, and Nashville. I can't say that New York and LA are out of the options cause I've never been there, but it feels the most at home. Um, it was the most easiest transition. I mean, for the last literally since 2020 or like whenever they started letting people travel again, I I've been here. I've been like living in Airbnbs, living in people's houses, couches, like doing the grind and doing everything. And I didn't start coming heavily here until I was 21 because you can't get into anything. It didn't make sense. Yeah. I remember when we first met, you were staying on somebody's couch, I think. Yeah. So I was actually staying with um, my good friend, Caitlin, who at the time was Assembly Food Hall's marketing director. And um, we were, I like met her through a mutual. And she was like, hey, if you ever need a place to stay, like, let me know. And I sure did. And three or four months later and I was basically living with her at that point. Um, and then, yeah, we just kind of transitioned and fast forward. Yeah. Because, um, you just recently like moved as of what December 1st, I officially became a Tennessee resident. Haven't changed your plates or anything though. Right? No. Me neither. Um, I've been here almost two years. So I flew home, (laughs) I flew home like end of October and I was gone for an entire month and I left my car here. Well, my car registration expired on the 24th of October. Mm-hmm. And so instead of just risking it, I just went ahead and renewed it. I was like, so it's not going to matter. <laughs> I was not an official resident yet here. And I didn't want to wait and have the DMV and all that stuff. Yeah. So going back to your transition to Nashville, because I had a similar experience where um, when I, cause I'm from, southwest florida and i was i did go to college because out of high school i went to georgia southern i kind of wanted to do sports psychology that's what i went for i was a psychology major then i left georgia southern moved back home and i was like i really want to do construction management i have a lot of the construction management i can see you as a construction person not like blue collar like working all the time no like like i'm the suit that's making the bank. So you have the suit prick. Yes. Okay. That's exactly right. <laughs> Just like right now. I'm a baby suit. There you go. Except I don't I don't really even own suits. I ordered my first one the other day, so. <laughs> well, now you're an official suit now that you've moved to Nashville. <laughs> I know. But, uh, yeah, so coming from Fort Myers and, and I – Went back home, wanted to do the construction management thing, and then the country music kind of just fell into my lap. It was always in the back of my mind of, like, this would be sweet, especially when the pandemic hit. Yeah. I had written down, I do this thing. My dad trained me to do it when I was younger. I write down my goals just all the time. And yeah. it's not, people, I guess you could call it, like, the New Year resolutions, mm-hmm. but I do, like, more specific. It's not, like, go to the gym five times a week. It's more, like, specific career life goals. Um and one of them in 2020 was create a country music brand because I was seeing like country central or whoever was existing at the time. 
Um, and I wanted to do something like that, but I did finally get into the business. Mm -hmm. And once I realized you have to be in Nashville, like it's really hard for me to do it in Florida. So I was going to Florida Gulf coast university. Um, and I was doing the best I could from there. But then eventually I was like, I got to get a place in Nashville. Yeah. So that's when I signed a lease for 650 bucks a month in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And that yeah. was uh, that was the the small hometown feel for me. Yeah, there was a lot of inclusion, I guess. Like, it's very even though it's thirty minutes away from Nashville, like it feels like your small town anywhere. Like, yeah. it has, it's not you're not that close to a city. They do a lot of like everybody knows everybody. They do a lot of events, but the whole point of what I'm saying is being in Nashville is very important for those listening that are trying to move or wondering how to get more involved in the industry from where you were at, come to Nashville, spend a week or two weeks in Nashville and pay attention to everything that's going on and just go out and network as much as you can. Yeah. I mean, I, I look back and like, think about like what resources that I have when I wasn't here because when I got here, everything was already there for me. Excuse me. And, um, it was like, I used Facebook and I used those connecting resources to make that transition to Nashville a lot easier. Yeah. I think, uh, just showing your face is the biggest thing. And you put on, I think, I don't know if you did this intentionally, but you did give this like perception to people that you were already living here. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't intentional. It was just also like, I also didn't see the point of like saying that I did it. You know what I mean? Um, because I, I was spending close to five grand, if not more in Airbnbs each month. And so it was, it was stupid looking back at it, but it, I'm thankful for it, but I just, I was here. I always showed faces and I'd be gone for a week, but I'd be back and I would be gone for a week and we'd be back. So people just assumed. Yeah. I assumed I was shocked when I found out you didn't live here, but what was it like? Uh, you talked about the bands that you would see and stuff in Iowa. What was it like music wise? Was it growing up? Was it country or, um, it was very country, but it's very an older generation. Um, and nothing against it by any means. It was just, there wasn't there wasn't a musical flow of everything, you know, if we would go to like a local festival or whatever, you know, it'd be older people and it would be like my classmates, grandpas, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was never, I knew that there was more than that. I mean, I'm very like, I love the stories and I loved everything behind music. And so it wasn't difficult, but I mean, I didn't go to a lot of concerts growing up. I think my first concert was a Kenny Chesney and a Gretchen Wilson concert. I have very vivid memories of those. Um, but it just, yeah, it, the scene there, I don't want to say non-existent cause there is a, a music scene. It's just not what someone would think would influence them to be in the industry. Yeah, definitely. And I think Florida was a similar way. Yeah. There is not where I'm at least where I'm from. There was, there's a concert venue there, but as far as like 
I mean, I, it's not really a country place. Like most people don't really grow up on country there. Yeah. No, I mean, it's different. I mean, it's just like everything. And plus I kind of grew up in an age where things were so involved and like we got TikTok and we got, you know, Apple music and we had Spotify and we had all these things. And so like music was always something. Um, yeah. And talk to me about how you, so just going from the growing up in Iowa to being 13, knowing you wanted to do something in graphic design or PR journalism, the transition to Nashville. Yeah. When was it that you started the PR company? Cause obviously you weren't in, in Nashville when you started it. Yeah. So I was, I think like officially I counted when I had to start paying taxes, <laughs> um, was like 17 is when I like officially was like, I'm here, I'm there. And you launched that as Perkins publicity. Um, yes. So, well, yes and no. Um, it was Long Arrow for like oh, a good right. solid yeah. year. And then ironically, something happened with the domain and I lost it. And so then I was forced to rebrand. And so I rebranded to Perkins um, Publicity and I ran with that for five years. And then something hit me like over the last like month and a half where I was like, you know what? It's time. So when you were doing the long era, you were doing the same exact thing yeah, that sa- you are with. Okay. Yeah. Same thing of like- everything. It was just like different transitions. Gotcha. Um, truthfully, like I don't know if I would ever looking back, would have ever rebranded to Perkins if I didn't lose that domain. Yeah. Um, it was just an accident that happened. Which do you like better? Um, I love Perkins. I mean, I felt like at the time it really established my identity. Um, you know, it was mine. And then, at the change of everything PR is not what it used to be. And there's a lot more added to it. There's a lot more process. And I just found myself a part of an artist picture and brand much bigger and beyond than PR. And I just was like, I wanted something to represent all that. I mean, in, within the last year I've done everything. So that is something I want to touch on because that's very true point is there's a lot of publicity. So, Real quick, actually, before we get into this, can you explain to the people listening before we get into the nitty gritty of it, can you explain what you do as a publicist? Yeah. So traditionally, a publicist is basically our job is to help bring brand exposure for what you're doing. And when brand exposure, it's more like sense of like getting articles and interviews and we're there to assist you on red carpets and um, TV shows and radio stations and podcasts like this, like that's our job is to have those relationships with those media people to be able to get your brand and awareness out there and help build or blow up whatever you're working on. So that's trans transitions into what I was going to say is a lot of publicists in town are very old fashioned. Yeah. In the sense of that's it. If, you get a DUI. The artist gets a DUI driving a lime scooter to the Nashville bash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't happen. I'm just joking. It's yeah. a joke. But if something like that happened to an artist, publicist is there to like statement out. Yeah. And, um, 
and then get all the the media stuff like you said and that's it mm-hmm. but you have come more into an artist development type of thing yeah i just i found myself wanting to be a larger part and i also learned too it's like the clients that i were getting at the time they didn't know what they were doing and you know no disrespect to them, but they, they were like, okay, what do I do? And what's the next steps? And so I was like out there trying to figure out what those next steps were and like learning that process. And so it just kind of involved, but there are a lot of traditional firms here in town, some great ones. Don't get me wrong. Like mad respect to all of them, but it's, it's a changing industry. And like, I'm hoping with this rebrand and as we continue to lay everything out, I really hope to change the PR field, um, especially in Nashville. So getting into the, uh, the rebrand and the new addition from Perkins publicity to the perk PR and creative agency. So adding that creative agency may just seem like a name change, Yeah, but it really is a big deal because it's adding to things that you offer. Because like I said, the artist development thing, and I've seen it firsthand, you do incredible work. Thank you. Not only do you, have really good creative ideas how to you understand the business you understand social media you understand people um and you you are really good at putting pieces together and outside of just working with an artist you are also good at um bringing people together like introducing people that builds a network Mm -hmm. Um, because you do have a very extensive network yeah i mean i i'm a sharer i'm a giver and i always want to give what i can to everyone in the sense of like i just want them i want people to have what i have because i growing up i didn't know that this was an option and so if i can give those resources to people that i'm happy to what would you say the biggest learning curve has been for you coming into Nashville and like we talked about, there's a lot of uh, old fashioned yeah. PR firms here. Um, so the politics of the industry is something that I've learned to navigate. Um, I stay out of a lot and I keep myself on the sidelines. I think the biggest learning curve, you know, I'm all for people starting companies when they're young and going, but like if you're new, like, I even ran into it and it took me, I honestly didn't like start realizing it until probably like a month ago, you know, um, fast forward to when I did turn 21, I was new to 21. I was new to the bar scene. I was new to everything. And so I had to learn to balance that. And that was, this is like the first time I'm actually like talking about this. It was a struggle and it did affect a lot of stuff. Um, more than what I would have liked it to, um, but it was a learning curve. And so I think most importantly, like the biggest curve is everyone's here for themselves. Oh yeah. And if you find a circle that truly, truly, truly champions what you're doing, hold that close and hold it as close as you can. Yeah. I think people definitely overestimate how rare that is to find here. Yeah, I mean, I growing up, like, I wasn't, like, an outcast by any means. Like, I was very involved. Um, I was always doing something. I was student council president, and, like, I, I mean, I was always doing something. And so, but coming here, there was 
a worry of, am I going to have the circle of friends that I had back home? I literally only talked to one person still in my graduating class. And, um, I, it was just, it was a nerve thing. I mean, growing up, my parents are divorced. Um, my childhood wasn't like bad by any means, but there was definitely some very hard times. And I just learned to like keep a circle because I rely on a circle. I need a circle to survive and that's okay. And the circle can be ever changing. Yeah. I mean, it goes in seasons. I think that was also something that I had to learn was people are going to come and go and that's okay. It's the people that come back when the things, you know? Yeah. And so that was, we, our friendship went through that a little bit. Because oh, we were we were together. It's a fucking roller coaster with you, Peyton. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we when we first met, like we were hanging out, we were going to the bars together all the time. Yeah. And then like I got a new job. Yeah. And it was like I kind of just like I had a transition in life. Mm-hmm. But then once I kind of like got back onto the yeah. pavement there. Yeah. I was just well too, and it goes back into like I look at those times, and I'm thankful for those times like when I first met you but I was also in a dark place I think darker than what I realized um and I was trying to mask it with always being with someone and so here we are yeah we had some long nights out oh we did do you remember that documentary we watched in that Airbnb yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a long night too yeah it was but um but yeah, I think what you're doing and trying to set the tone for the future of PR in this town is amazing because you're really adding more, like I had said, you're adding more to what PR technically offers. Yeah. Um, well, and to PR's cutthroat, it is. Um, it's, it's a mind fuck half of the time. Um, you have to be accepting of rejection. You're going to get rejected. And if you're not that person for it, it's not for you. But there are a very tight circle here in town that I'm very close with, like other publicists, and I love them to pieces. But there's also publicists that don't agree with the way I do things. Um, and it, it just happens. Which it's it's good to... That's good that you said that because no matter what you do, no matter who you are, there's always going to be people here that do not agree with what you're doing. Whether you're an artist, there's going to be like people, he's not country or she's not country. They're, you know, they don't write their own songs or, or they write by themselves. There's always going to be people that don't agree. Management. People aren't going to agree with the way I do things or anything like your label, no matter what you are. So, I mean, screw them. I, I'm firsthand. I launched a management company and was within seven months, my entire roster was gone. So let's talk about that. Sincerely music group. You and I were working together um, for PR for my artists. Um, and you had sincerely music group. You had a couple rostered artists. Mm -hmm. We don't have to get into the details of, I can't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The things I want to put this out there. Without getting too much into it. Sometimes in this business, you have to work with people you don't necessarily see eye to eye with. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of, like, that's going to happen a lot. 
but it's a matter of just finding out how to navigate that. Yeah. There's no, like, it's okay. You don't have to think like, it's not a bad thing to not see eye to eye with people when you're having, especially management. Yeah. People don't understand. I, uh, on my last podcast that, um, it aired a couple, I guess this is 10. It was on eight. <laughs> um, we talked, he's a, he manages independent artists. It's your babysitter, your therapist, your a best friend. Yeah. It really is like a marriage. It's a marriage and it's a mind fuck if it goes south. Yes. And because you have, I mean, you grew up with divorced parents. Mm-hmm. Like you see, sometimes it could be, my parents are together, thankfully, but it could be like ugly mm-hmm. or it could be just like, you know, we're, we're just going to go our separate ways. Yeah. But in management, it's the same exact thing. It's like it could get really ugly and it could be battled out in court or it could just be like, yeah, we're just not the right fit. You know, good luck to you. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm thankful for my time in management and my time is going to come again. <laughs> it's not there right now, but I'm thankful for what I was able to do for those artists because I did change a lot of their lives. Um, seasons come and go and I've learned don't jump into anything. I think that was the biggest thing I learned from all that. And it's okay. Like it, no, no matter what, I think the biggest thing, I mean, when I launched my management company, I was in billboard. I was in music row. I was in all access. I was on cloud nine. I launched a company that was full heartedly ready to shut PR down for and I'm so obviously thankful I didn't, but I think that that transition to everything, I launching a company and within six months, basically back at ground, I learned that that's okay. Like it happens. It, it definitely does happen because in you as an entrepreneur, no matter what you're in, if you're in the restaurant business or, or hospitality or like literally any, no matter what you're doing, you have to take risks. Yeah. And it was a risk that you took. You're working with independent artists. It could end in you winning awards, Mm -hmm. CMA awards or whatever, Mm -hmm. or it could end with you getting screwed. I guarantee you could ask every artist in this town, every major, every ever they have, I personally cannot name, and maybe there is one artist who's had the same manager their entire career. Yes. As an artist manager myself, I've filtered through artists. Yeah. Which brings me into this next topic. Um, I was working with Ashley Ann. Yeah. Uh, We met when she had not put out Dear Dolly yet. It was January towards the end of January I was at outside the round well it was in the round um then with Matt Burrell he was hosting the writers round Will Cullen was playing and he invited Ashley Ann up on stage and she sang whatever song she wrote with him I can't remember the name of it um but her voice just blew everybody away they were like who is this chick looked her up on Instagram hit her up we ended up working together for a little bit and brought her over to you yeah PR and you are still with her and since then I've stopped working with her as of I think um summer of 2023 so it's it's been about six months or so 
maybe seven or eight. But you've been with her this whole time, growing her through every release, and numbers just keep increasing and increasing and increasing. She's got this new manager yeah. who's doing incredible things for her. Super happy for the both of them. But tell me what it's like because it's, it's changed your career even. Um, Ashley, until the day I die, I'm going to be forever indebted. And also, I feel like, too, it's like without you, I would have never met her. I don't think. Um, maybe our bridges would have crossed at some point. But, like, I would have never met her. Um, these last few months especially have been a whirlwind. Um, it's taught me a lot about who I am. It's taught me a lot about this generation of artists as well, um, on how they, how they receive, how they adapt, um, the criticism. I mean, this girl is 19 years old and she's doing everything, you know? And even then, I mean, I love her. Like we just got variety the other day for her WME signing announcement and, I mean, truthfully, like that whole week was exhausting just because we were so busy and I bawled when that came through and it makes me sound like a bitch, but that was like, I've been in it so long that I was like, that was the finally thing. But when I sent it to her, she was like, what's variety? (laughs) Is this a big deal? You know? And so I think the whole, everything of the last six months with her has been like a learning for her learning for myself it's generated a lot of business for me and i'm very thankful for it um and i'm excited for this next chapter um to see kind of where it takes both of us because it's not slowing down even with the ep just dropping and all this major press that has come out um i'm really interested to see what the another six months look like yeah definitely and the reason i wanted to bring it up is because I mean, you do have a great roster. Yeah. But that, within the past couple months, has just skyrocketed your entire company. So I do um, – I want to go read off your your yeah. new website. So it says, Perk PR and creative agency, formerly Perkins Publicity, a powerhouse in the realm of public relations and creative services, is an established company with a vision to cater the ever-evolving needs of the creative industry. Perk has emerged as a trailblazer devoted to amplifying the voices and stories of both signed and independent artists. Yeah. Did you chat GPT that? Nope. Impressive. Mm-hmm. But I think that explains everything very well. Because yeah. the industry changes all the time and having somebody that stays on top of stays on top of it mm-hmm. is my my entire roster is independent artists besides one person. So I will um, go through and read your roster real quick. Because you do have some uh, good names on there. And at any point, if I say a name and you want to stop me and talk about them, go for it. So Ashley Ann, as we just talked about. Cody Cause, who I manage, and that's how we met. Caleb Seth, David Morris, Dylan Jacobson, Grant Brown, Haley, Logan Michael, Michael James, Robert Bacon, Shana G, Tracy Lynn, Zach John King. And a lot of these people have just had a lot of things happen for them recently that you've been covering. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm very, very, very proud of my roster. Um, And I really feel like this 
it showcases what the next generation is. So someone like Zach John King. Yeah. So he ironically, he was, I got his projects because of Ashley. Um, they were seeing the work that I was doing with Ashley and um, we started working with him when Just Missed You came out. Um, that was his first single. And we came into it and we had this meeting. And one of our big things was to just really introduce him. Um, at the time, there was, you know, he was like internally within the team. They were talking about pub deals and things like that. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. This independent artist, nobody knows who he is, has no track record, nothing. is like getting you know, these opportunities. And so fast forward, just miss you came out SEO boosted, which for those that don't know is search engine optimization, which is a very important thing. Um, that his whole career shifted, um, fast forward to this last release that was just released. Um, and we're still out here grinding and he just signed a pub deal. Um, so we were able to assist with that announcement. Um, he's got his whiskey jam debut coming up in a couple of weeks help able to book that. So it's just, we've really like watched if you Google Zach John King, we've really established a presence for him and people know who he is because of that, our work and his team's work. What would you say the easiest, uh, maybe not the easiest, but like what is your I'm trying to figure out how to word this? Um, I guess what's your system? Yeah. of when you when you get this artist that you bring on like they don't have a lot going on mm -hmm. i mean they're not like a label artist they're independent they might not have a pub deal they might not have a booking agent like i mean let's just use ashley for example yeah you know i brought you brought her to you when she had dear dolly had i think had maybe just i don't even think it hit a million streams at that point mm -hmm. um and that was her only single yeah her only song out at all so someone like her who only has that decent socials, what, like what's your system of yeah. kind of getting her to grow? Yeah. So I think for her specifically, I remember when I f was introduced to her, I was like, how's this girl having these numbers, but has nothing. I mean, she had nothing. No playlisting history. No playlisting, no press. I think maybe there was some, but it was very little, very minimal. Yeah, I wrote that raised rowdy article about it. And that was, yeah. It. And, I was like, okay, what, what's our next step? Because she's good. And so I called my friend Ryan at 1RPM and I was like, hey, I have this girl. This is what she's doing. Can we distribute our next release with you? And he was like, yeah, sure. So we uploaded and we worked with it. That release, mind you, no press was published yet. That release got picked up on editorials. Um, and I'm very thankful for 1RPM team. Um, but then we were only able to continue to thrive from there. I mean, we really how many interviews did Ashley do during that time? A lot. A lot. And the last release that I was a part of was Fake Tan. And it sat on, I think, Next from Nashville playlist for a long time. It's, it's to still the, there. It's to this day, it's still there. Because I remember, I just looked at the numbers because I was curious. Because, I mean, we that was a hard release. Yeah. And that... uh I think what's it, 300,000 streams on yeah, Spotify, which sent, is pretty good. It's sitting somewhere. I mean, I looked at like the back end the other day and I was like super impressed on like how well it streams every day. Yeah. Um, that era, <laughs> that era is over and I'm surprised yeah. that it's still getting streamed, but it's a good song. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to listen to the new record, but yeah, what you guys are doing over there 
is incredible because she's gotten a lot and i'm super happy for you guys thank you yeah i mean thank you for bringing her to me and it's every day is a new day and we just roll with it and we never know what to expect yeah and then someone like so obviously i use her as an example because you took her from this to this yeah so cody cause yeah who's my artist so you and i still work together on him to this Mm -hmm. day what what's your biggest challenge with that and then also uh when he has stuff coming out how would you go about marketing that to people to get picked up yeah for uh interviews or just articles Um, yeah that he because he doesn't have he has some playlist in history yeah but he doesn't have like this huge extensive resume now. Yeah. Yet. I mean, I think the biggest thing you have to know the audience you're pitching to, um, you know, he's his sound, especially the releases that I did work. It didn't make sense to pitch him to a publication for country pop. Like it wasn't the audience that was it tatering to him. So the first thing you have to do is like realize, okay, what's going to be the realistic expectations. And you have to have that as well too, because people, they just assume that just because they hire a PR firm that has track record and billboard variety, whatever, that it's just going to happen for them. And that's just what's going to come. But that's not the case. Your job, my job as a good PR professional that is, basically taking a product and adding a voice to it and using the relationships that we've built to get coverage. Our job is to know those relationships. Like, are we going to know that they're going to like them? Are, you know, is this a good fit? Is it not a good fit? Um, it, is it going to bring the good exposure that it needs to bring? I mean, it's just, there's so many, I could go on for days about the checklist and everything that you can go on because the whole point of this podcast is to be super educational for those listening. Cause I will say PR, this is um, something I've come to realize is that there's a lot of people on my social media that hit me up for advice or they listen to my podcast or um, even just people I know from my hometown. Like I had this girl reach out to me from my college and, uh, she wants to do something in the music business because she loves country music, but she's a marketing major. Yeah. So like marketing and PR is very big for mm-hmm. people. And that's where they, they put in when you're trying to figure out what you want to do, you could go do PR and marketing anywhere. Yeah. But if you love music and you specifically love country music, find a way to get into it here and learn about it. So, I mean, you can have the floor, the entire rest of the podcast, just <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding because I want people to be able to learn yeah. about what it is you do, why you do it, and how to go about it. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is you have to be, we touched on it earlier, be okay with rejection because you're going to get no's. Um, you have to be educated on the transitions of where people are. Um, journalism specifically, there are so many layoffs right now. And people, I mean, Pitchfork just cut their entire music. Um, And people are constantly getting laid off left and right. American Songwriter just laid off a bunch of people. Um, And so you have to be educated and know where people are going. And two, it's you got to have a passion for it. Like you are going to send and you're going to communicate a product to consumers 
for forever. Like you got to be just as passionate about it. And I think the biggest thing too is like, you can love a song, but that doesn't mean you love the artist. Right. Um, you can love what Megan Maroney's doing, but it doesn't mean it's going to be a fit. Um, you know, and I think that's the biggest, the most rewarding thing that I found for myself is these independents. I personally love working with them. Um, not only do I get to teach them, but they teach me. And not only do I only have to communicate with one person when I'm working with them, I, it's more rewarding and it's more, it makes me feel better about everything. Um, I work with David Morris and he signed the Virgin and, um, I love like the first thing we did for him when we took on his project. I mean, we were with him for when like carrying your love went viral, massive viral on TikTok. It was charting everywhere. Um, and then Dutton's, um, Dutton ranch freestyle, which was, you know, the Yellowstone song. And we were with him during that time. Then they brought on another PR firm and they came back and they came back. And the first thing that we were able to do was get his wedding in people magazine. Um, and so that was like insane for us. That was our first wedding thing ever we've ever done. And so I think the biggest thing is like, if I could give advice to my younger self, or to anyone listening is rejections. Okay. Transition is okay. Cause you're going to have transitions. You're going to fall on your face and you're going to be wondering what the fuck am I doing? And you just roll with it. Um, the, this, this past year has probably been one of the most challenging and difficult processes and everything that I've ever been through and it's okay. Um, so just do that. And then it's okay to like sit back for a minute and like take a breather and come back. Um, but just because you have a marketing degree and maybe it's not in music, doesn't mean that you can't do it. Right. You just got to find that person to be able to really amplify you in that environment. And try to get experience. You got to try somewhere. That's that's the biggest thing. Like you you had said earlier when you just started friending people on Facebook at 13. Yeah. Just reaching out, trying to do it. It may not be something crazy, but you're trying to get interviews. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's experience. Because yeah. you're making connections. You're learning the process of you're dealing with a manager. Mm-hmm. That's experience. Because now next time you go deal with the manager, you know kind of what they're going to ask. Yeah. And you know how to present yourself in a professional manner enough to sell them on, okay, let me have my artist come on or, or whatever. So that's, that's a big aspect of it. Um, I always talk about networking in this town. So important. It's very important. So the whole back and forth thing, and obviously you didn't come here until you were 21. Yeah. You probably had made a decent amount of connections prior to making those trips to Nashville. But what was your biggest, um, Cause I mean, when you go out, you're not the most outgoing person outside of your circle, are you? Um, yes and no. It just depends what I'm with. Um, I'm very comfortable with my circle. Um, <laughs> and it also depends if I've had any drinks. Um, <laughs> because if I have a couple drinks in me, I'll talk to anyone. Um, and it's not that I'm afraid of people. It's yeah. just I've learned to adapt and just be there. Um, I like I look 
at back home and people are like, oh, you were with so-and-so. And I'm like, yes. But did I go say hi to him? No. It's not my place. Yeah. And I and this sounds so cocky, but I'm kind of like to the point too. It's like where I, I just, I kind of want to go, you know, and I want to see where it goes. And if they come up to me and they know me, great. And if I bump into them and I, great. But I've, I've just learned that it's okay. Yeah. I, like I've said, I, I always would go out and I would just try and go up to as many people as yeah. I can. It's how, it's how you build your network. So 1000. I was just curious if, if that, if you kind of did that, if you would just go up to people. Yeah. And- I mean, I mean, I was in rooms with you and I guarantee we would stare at each other and I knew who you were. Valentine's Day. You remember Valentine's Day? No, I actually don't remember Valentine's you don't val- Day. Remember Valentine's Day? At Red Door? No, yeah, I, I do. Because I remember I was standing there and I saw you walk to the bathroom. And because you, I was standing talking to somebody and you walked in between us. I was like, I think that's Trevor Perkins, but we don't know each other. Oh, yes. I do remember that. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, that's Peyton. Yeah. But then it wasn't. But like two weeks after that, that yeah. we connected on Instagram to uh, to meet because I wanted Cody to work with you for yeah. publicity. Well, and I think too, it's like the people that are okay with going up to people, more power to them. Um, I personally, like once I ha- <laughs> once I have some liquid courage, I'm <laughs> I'm ready to go, like do whatever. But it's okay to like be in the same room with them and then connect with them on social media later. Absolutely, it's. I've told people this many times. It's sometimes when you're out, mm-hmm. people don't want to be bothered. No, they don't want to sit. They want to come up if they already know you, shake your hand, say hey, and and kind of just yeah, shoot the shit for a second. But they don't want to sit and like have this long conversation, oh, yeah. deep conversation. That's more of like let's grab coffee sometime. Yeah, there's a time and a place for everything. Absolutely, and also too, you never know if someone's having a bad day. Yeah, and sometimes, I mean, even with you. I didn't know how to read you. Yeah. Most people still don't. But once you get to know you, you know yeah. how to read you and you know how to understand what you're doing. And sometimes, and that's okay to be like that. And sometimes people don't understand that they see, you know, sometimes they're going to be cocky, whatever. And people see that and they're like, okay, I don't want to bother. You thought I was super cocky, didn't you? I thought you were the biggest asshole <laughs> that I've ever met in my entire life. And then a week went by and I got to know you more and got to understand like who you were as a person. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like that's just yeah, I'm who not he like, is. Yeah. I'm not like cocky. No, you're not cocky. It's just that you have this, like, I mean, even like at Cody's show the other day, like this is you, like there's nothing wrong with it, but like I'm in the back and I'm seeing every single word. I'm like back there. I'm waving my hands, like whatever. And you're just like stone faced. You're like, and that's okay (laughs) but that's who you are and me on the other hand i was just there for the great time yeah i mean i was like i was enjoying myself but i'm also like like clenching my jaw just like i hope he doesn't mess up do you remember when this is gonna be probably the most unhinged podcast you've probably done in a long time do you remember when we went to aldine's we went, out the we went to the roof and that was like one of the first times I was on the roof and it was Cody. I Riley was there. Riley. Yeah. And who else? 
Mitch Carter. Yes, and we were there, and you dipped before we got to the dance floor. Dance floor, video evidence, best night of my entire life. But beforehand, I like I saw videos on my phone. Like I was like putting the phone in your face, and you were like, you just were like not moving, and I'm like there just like, come on, Peyton, move. I think I do remember that. Yeah, you dipped very early. Yeah, because <laughs> old man. I was getting there. <laughs> I was, I was, that was like the come down of my, <clears throat> I don't want to say party phase. Cause I had like, I had kind of grown out my party phase, my freshman year of college mm-hmm. after my freshman year. Yeah. But when you moved to Nashville, you definitely, you definitely hit it a little hard. Yeah. You have to. At first. It's like a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. Everyone will sit here and tell you and be like, yeah, when I moved to Nashville, I, I let it rip for a while. I did. There was an entire week where Haley and I were at Red Door every single night. We closed it down pretty much every single night. I don't know if I've ever closed it down, but oh. I've come damn close. I know we've come close to closing it down. Yeah. There's been... Yeah. I mean, that. so that's that's another thing Red is Door. becoming friends. Like, you yeah, will become friends with the people you work with. And that's like... When you talk about the circle, most of the time your circle is going to be the people that you work with. Yeah. I think the biggest thing too is like, I've learned you're going to become friends and that's okay. And sometimes you become very close friends and sometimes things don't work out and it just, it sucks because not only are you going through, it's a bridge that you essentially burn. You're also going through a friend breakup. Yeah. And sometimes friend breakups hurt worse than anything. You just got to learn to adapt and that's yeah. okay. And it is okay. And I think when it is like, I, I will air it all out there because like we never had anything happen to us as like friends. Mm-mm. It was like we worked together and there were disagreements and like things that happened within yeah our work that was just like, we were kind of pissed at each other about and it, affected our friendship but then you kind of just like like anything with business it's like okay we had a disagreement it's kind of like screw that for a little bit and then it's yeah then it's right back let's figure it out and then continue working together yeah i mean you go into phases and you go whatever and also too like i've learned that it's okay at the time when we were having our little preschool fight (laughs) or whatever it was like we were still talking business. Yeah. Like when when there was a job to be done, we were there, but obviously the friendship part was not there. Yeah. And that's okay. You got to learn to be able to adjust to that. Um, but I've learned confrontation is okay. It happens. I I have confrontation. Me I and hate Cody, it. me and Cody are such close friends. We've been like almost like best friends for two years now we have confrontation all the time because it's, it is like, like I said earlier, artist management is like a marriage. Like we fight and we figure it out. It's like, let's sit down. What are you upset about? Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to talk to each other like your little kids. Yeah. Like what, what what's the matter, Bubba? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, pet, pet him on the back of the head. What, yeah. What's, what's the matter? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then you just figure it out because you have, you have to keep going. Yeah. And that's the business is there's going to be confrontation because it's a bunch of, individual people trying to figure it out and like you said everybody's out for themselves yeah i mean no like everyone's in it for a motive i've learned 
and there are people that are in it to like really truly believe in what you're doing but there's always a part of someone that's only in it for themselves and that's okay like there's nothing wrong with that you just gotta learn and i've especially learned over the last six months is keep your circle close and share very limited the the less you share is more to a lot of people and reputation is everything here reputation is everything um and it's i think that i think one of the biggest things that i've especially i remember like when i first met you you were like oh, i don't want a bad reputation i always want to make sure people are happy and blah, blah blah and i tell people i'm like there's people that hate me yeah there's people that hate me they want to see me like not here and that's fine like i don't care I personally do not hate anybody. I wish all my past people nothing but the best. But I learned that do not burn bridges unless you have to. Right. Because there are times where you do. Um, not only for your reputation, because sometimes someone's not, might not be the best fit and best anything, but for your mental health, because that, that was a big thing for me is like sometimes that does happen. People burn bridges all the time. Like not necessarily just in this business, but it's like life. I mean, you burn friendships for this and that and you, you know, you get in fights yeah. with your coworkers, with your boss. Well, and too, and I think like, listen, like advice, like artists and people like this town, when you first get here, you want to people, please. You don't want to say no to opportunities. You don't want to do anything. And that's okay to an extent, but also don't forget who you are, because if you forget who you are, you're not going to be the best person that you're able to be in your business setting. You know, um, turning down a night at Red Door is totally fine. Someone might hate you for it and be like, why the hell aren't you here? Like you should be here, but you got to put yourself first and understand that if that's not, if you're not there, you can't succeed. Yeah, I think the most important thing is when you come here and you're trying to figure it out, you have to be yourself. Mm -hmm. This town is very, very small. I say town, it's one of the biggest cities in the nation. Yeah. But it's to me, it's like a small town. I mean, we go anywhere. I mean, you go to the airport, you go to a restaurant, you go to Red Door, you go to... Um, the mall. Yeah. I see people I know everywhere, and I really like. I have a big network. I know a lot of people, but like it's really like not abnormally large. Mm -mm. So like, this town is really small. Like pretty much everybody knows everybody one way or another, or you have connections. Like people yeah. are. You might not know that person, but I know someone that's for, like you have mutual. Your paths have crossed somehow, right? And sometimes like it's good and bad, you know, like everyone's going to have an opinion about someone. Um, even like another advice thing, if I could tell people is like, you get that opinion of someone. Don't let someone else's opinion affect the narrative of Absolutely. what you're wanting. Because I learned so many times, there's so many times where someone would tell me, Oh, this person's bad news. Stay away. Or I would even vocalize it to someone. I'd be like, don't touch. It's not worth it. And, I'm like, looking back, I'm like, that's stupid because people don't mesh. 
people don't get along. I tell all my new like potential clients, I was like, Hey, I want you to know, like I'm in it. Like I'm ready to give this a shot, but like in six months, this may not work. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, then I'm not here to hold you to something. And so like, we'll move on. And that's why when you talk to most managers, um, it might be different for bigger companies. Mm -hmm. But when you're working, when you're talking to most independent artists, there's a lot of grace periods. Yeah. So like before you just go right into a contract, because once you sign a contract, it's, I I mean, it's like getting married. So I, I did that. And I'm very thankful for that opportunity and my time within that artist. I'm, it taught me a lot, but I also signed a contract within two months of knowing the guy. Yeah. So there should be like a decent grace period because, and it's not like, I mean, I don't know how to word it without in terms of like politically correct, I guess. Spit it out, Peyton. But it's not like a personal thing where, you know, you feel like, well, they're just not good. Yeah. Like there's been a lot of artists that I've worked with that I'm like, let's not jump into a contract. Let's, let's just like kind of see how it plays out. And it's not because I don't think your music is good. Mm -hmm. Like, of course I, I think it's good. It's just that there's a possibility you and I just don't work well together or I may not be able to, this was, I mean, and I'll put it out there, Ashley, I believed in her Mm -hmm. and I was there to help her, but I wasn't the right fit for her because she wanted to do all these things that I didn't have experience in. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. I helped her on a lot of things, but there were a lot of aspects. I would just tell her what I thought, but I didn't have enough experience to really know. So like, I mean, I'll be the first person to tell you I wasn't a good fit Mm -hmm. no matter what. And that's okay. So like, had we jumped into a contract, it could have been come six months later and I'm not giving her what she needs. Yeah. And she's held back because of that, but she's stuck in a legal binding contract, which, so the grace periods is, is important because we had that where we weren't in a contract and it was eventually just like, you could get more elsewhere with someone that's very experienced with what you have going on. It's happening so fast. It's like, and you even told me that you're like Peyton. Honestly, I work on her every single day. You would not have been able to handle that. Yeah. And it's because Cody has been like, Cody's got a lot going on. Like I'm busy with Cody all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's slow, organic growth. Yeah. Hers was like viral moment. Everything's happening so fast. Cody hasn't had that um, like TikTok viral moment yet. It's been more like like Corey Kent organic growth mm-hmm. rather than like the, the Bailey Zimmerman yeah, pop. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, what, what am I supposed to do? Because I don't have the business degree. I haven't been. And Dylan, who's a great manager, has had that success with Graham Barham. Yeah. He he built Graham up so now he can do that with somebody else. I'm still figuring that out and that's okay. So point being is there are many different like options and things that yeah. could happen. I that- mean, management, PR, whatever. I mean like any advice that I could give to any managers 
that are potentially wanting to do it is your first meeting, lay everything out on the table. You need to know (laughs) every dark secret, everything that there possibly is, because I always tell people I can't fix anything that I don't know. And so I would rather know about it now and be able to fix it in the future and at least know that it's there. Um, and two, it's like in today's industry, we are watching artists that had number ones who were doing really well three or four years ago, getting dropped. Mm-hmm. Like they're not performing because this next generation is coming up. And so you have to be able to understand if an artist is going to perform or not. Yeah. And they have to have it more. They got to have to want it more than you want it for them. That's very important. Yeah. Is it's finding the artists that, and I'm, I'm, I've talked to so many people about this is finding that hungry artist. Mm-hmm. And I've made sure that everybody I work with Cody is like, I mean, we've have, he'll call me, we'll call each other and we'll be on the phone for an hour 45. Cody's a talker. He is a talker, but it's because <laughs> he's hungry. Like he could sit yeah. there and he's passionate, man. And we're both passionate. So you put us in on a conversation talking about music. I mean, we go on for hours and hours mm-hmm. and hours. Yeah. No, I can go on for hours and hours. Like it's just truly, and that that's okay. And I'm really excited to like really put this next transition and influence and everything. And what's important, what I've really enjoyed about this conversation is we've said like real stuff. Like it's, it was a lot about your story, but then we kind of got into like, well, we've both dealt with conflict with other people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, just because you're an adult doesn't mean you don't have conflict with people. Like if you're in high school, like we're all people with different personalities trying to all work together and you're dealing with people all the time. So it's bound to happen. Mm -hmm. But it's behind the music biz. Like everybody sees, Oh, well this person manages this person or he works with this person, but nobody sees the shit. Yeah. To be straightforward. It's like nobody sees the shit that people have to go through the real life things of the stress, the anxiety, the, the conflict. Mm -hmm. Like people, I mean, they don't think about that stuff when they think about the music business. Yeah. So to sit here and be real and have a real conversation with you about like mental health matters, it wears on you. I've gone through ugly management breakups. Same here. We have had uh, fights where we're like, yeah, we're not friends. Yeah. <laughs> but like, then you just, you get over it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be adults, but at some, it's not, it doesn't mean like i mean that yeah that's pretty much it but it just it's just that's life yeah you have the music industry isn't a glorified thing and it isn't you know what the movies or tv shows because there's a lot more stuff coming out about the industry now it's operate we are we're human at the end of the day we are human and we operate like a human yeah and instead of operating like a music industry, sometimes you have to focus on operating like a human. Right. This is going to sound crazy. Kind of, maybe. (laughs) It's really not that crazy. But the TV show, when I was, 
I had just f- failed out of Georgia Southern. You failed. Yes. Failed out of Georgia Southern. Um, and I was like, all right, my parents aren't going to, my parents are paying for my tuition. Yeah. Um, they're not going to pay for out-of-state tuition. So I moved home. Mm-hmm. I originally moved to Orlando, Florida. That Christmas, we went, I was at a low point in my life. I was just like, kind of not depressed, but I was like, where do I go from here? Like yeah. I didn't have any friends in Orlando. So I was home or I was home for Christmas. We went up to my family's place in West Virginia and I was just kind of like down in the dumps. And I started the TV show Nashville. I was watching it on Hulu mm-hmm. and I binge watched the shit out of it. And I studied it and I studied it and I studied it. And I was like, this is it. This is what I want to mm-hmm. do. And that was like the deal breaker for me where I was like, I'm going to make it happen no matter what I have to do. Yeah. Point is the TV show Nashville. If you have an opportunity to watch it, watch it Mm -hmm. because I, we can sit here and you can listen to my podcast all you want and hear real life experiences, you know, about arguments and conflict. And then the stories about how they made it and what they do. You can sit here and learn, but, and we can explain it all we want, but you go watch that show that's a real representation yeah. of what happens with how the artists are. There's a lot of great artists and there's a lot of artists that are just like out for themselves. Mm-hmm. Management side of things in the the business. There's a lot of schemey shit and there's a lot of great shit. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of scandals. Like it's high school. This industry is like high school. Yeah. And it, things go around. Like it's it's crazy. People don't understand that. And that's why... Like I said, I love having this conversation because it shows it shouldn't scare people from it. Mm-mm. It's a great industry. I love the people that I'm around, and I love that it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody. It's a tight knit community. Yeah, but with that comes drama with the high school bullshit. The high school bullshit, where you're like, we get into this argument because we disagree with something about how a release should be done, and we're just like, no, like I'm not talking to him. I'm not. <laughs> Oh, he's going to be there. I'm not going like that's yeah, it happens and you just got to learn how to navigate. It's a very cutthroat industry. It's very cutthroat. Um, but having your close friend circle, but also there's an industry circle. Yeah. Um, I have an industry circle and it's an industry circle that I keep close. And if I call for a favor, I return a favor and it's a, it's a circle that I would not be able to operate the way that I do without it. Yeah. And real quick to end all this deep conversation. Um, can we talk about country politan? Let's hit it. This so is the first time I've ever talked about it. Yeah. So I wanted to wait till the end for this. I didn't want to make it a whole point because back in the day, Trevor, I had reached out to a company on social media that kind of does not kind of they it's like a country music magazine but digital mm-hmm. um called country politan and i ended up finding out that it was trevor and i had to keep it very close to the chest i i should have made you sign an nda i almost i well, i pretty much did i never told anybody yeah the only person only people i told was when you were like yeah you can tell cody yeah um but but by then you were kind of telling people yeah um 
but yeah, I didn't know if we want, I wanted to wait, talk about it in case we had. Yeah, to no, I mean, I, the way that I look at everything kind of like the new direction, cause it all ties into the new direction of the company is PR 90% of the time outlets are copying, pasting a press release that you wrote. So why not have an outlet to help people? Um, to help amplify. I have never left journalism. Um, journalism has always been something that's been there. It's been here, there, wherever. And so it's, and it was a platform I wanted to use to help bring and showcase the next generation. Some artists can't afford mar- services. They yeah. can't afford marketing. They can't do this, but they're good and they deserve a platform just as much as anybody. But this next direct direction within the company within perk entirely because it's all before i was like building like 15 brands and i was trying to like grow each one and now i'm like bringing them together and helping empowering everything country politics i will always be there i'll always be a voice and it'll be what it's supposed to be but i really just want to help the next generation yeah and you're sitting at 28.2K followers yes. on Countrypolitan. Yes. Um, a lot of that is based off of SEO. Um, like, I there's Facebook groups that I'll, like, post. Like, when we write a Morgan Wallen article, we'll post it in there. Um, one of our most viewed article was Chris Stapleton performing at the Super Bowl. Yeah, the national it, anthem. It broke our website. Like we posted it in this Facebook group, this Chris Stapleton fan club. And I think it got like close to like 20,000 likes on that post. Dang. Like my Facebook post was blowing up and then it was like translating into like followers and wherever. And so it was just going everywhere. Um, we kind of like took a hiatus there for a while and then now we're kind of like coming back. But when I, when we were there and we were posting so much, I, I hired journalists that got laid off. I was hiring people that were at the boot taste of country and those people giving them a platform to share um, their music. And even then I was, so at the time I was serving as a manager and editor of a magazine (laughs) and then also a publicist. And I gave that creative freedom to all my writers to be like, Hey, you can cover what you want to cover. Like if there's an artist, like send it to me. I want to hear them. I want to see what they're doing. I want to, you know, everything. And so it only just continued to like build and divide the gap. And as we go into this next generation, like we just revealed, um, our on the radar class and it's like not artists to watch like those traditional artists to watch list that will be coming here soon. Um, it's artists who did the shit this year did like they went out there and they took a shot. And it stuck. And they each worked in their own way. Um, Cody was on the list. Cody, streaming-wise, may have not had some numbers as some other people on that list. But he had the show. Yeah, His shows, phenomenal show. shows were there. His crowds were there. That's fucking impressive. Yeah. And that deserves to be sh- shined and spotlighted. Um, Carson Wallace, for example, that kid... I don't even know how to explain it for not being 21. He's a fucking grinder. He is a grinder. I remember I met that kid right when I moved to town and he had like, 
I don't want to say he had no friends, but he had, he didn't run around with a big crowd of people. So I was inviting mm-hmm. him to things and, and just watching him grow from when I first met him. Yeah. It was like, he, he didn't really have anything. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden it's just like everything happened for him. And he's like, in my eyes, one of the best writers in town. Yeah. No, he's definitely like a next generation, like so good. And the thing of it is, is too, is like, eventually he'll earn his spot someday on the artist to watch list. Yeah. Like I, I truly believe it. I just, I think there's a lot more there. I want to see, I want to see more. And so the whole goal, not just behind country politics, but for myself is to amplify and help these people navigate the industry. Yeah. Wherever. And I love that. I think what you're doing over there is great. I've always been a big supporter of it. Well, thanks. I'm a big supporter of you too. Thanks. You've you've come a long way since I met you. Yeah. To do what you're doing now and to be able to navigate it and like figure it out, um, you're doing good. Yeah, I think this town, just being in it, it grows you as a person. It it grows you so much more than what you what people realize. Yeah, it, it matures you. You know, I like when we talk about. I haven't had like a actual. Like, you kind of learn how to navigate. Like, we talked about the conflict stuff. Like, yeah. you learn how to navigate that stuff by just going through it. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. happen a lot. But when it does happen, it's okay because you learn how to navigate yeah. it for the future. Okay, I messed up here. Yeah. Here's how I avoid it in the future. I think when me and you had your conflict, I finally called you. And I was like, this is bullshit, Peyton. What the hell are we doing? Yeah. Like, why are... This, is, this isn't good. Like, we were... I mean, for those who don't know us that are listening, like, we were together... 90% of the time. Yeah. I mean, cause we, all the time we were always like doing something. We were at like shows. We were at events. shows. We were, we were all going out to eat. We were going networking. There was always something to do. Um, CMA fest or CRS. Like we were together, like all the time. inseparable. It was, <laughs> we were all running like our entire crew was just running around together mm-hmm. nonstop. Yeah. And so, you just got to learn to navigate those. And once me and you had our conversation and then from there, we said that we were never, ever going to do that again. And if there was ever an issue, we were just going to call each other. Yeah. We've been golden. And yeah, because there's been, I think there hasn't been like issues where we're like pissed at each other, but there's no. been like things where like we weren't on the same page mm-hmm. and it was like, just pick up the phone and you call and you know, that, that grows you as a person and just yeah. experiencing it. Cause you'll especially like, being young you're gonna hit a lot of things in this industry in this town that you don't know what to do mm-hmm. because you haven't experienced it before so just by going through it and being like oh i messed up here let's never do that again and um and like we had said like our conflict it wasn't like we we hated each other it was just like we had we didn't see eye to eye and it was like yeah all we and had to do not- was you're not going to see eye to eye with a lot of people too. Yeah, you and know? our our phone call wasn't like, like, oh, I'm so sorry. By the end of the phone call, it was like we were long lost best friends that just, it was like, think of like a romantic movie and like you were running, <laughs> like I was running back to you. Yeah, it was literally just like a conversation of like, here's what I believed. Here's what, and then I would say, well, here's what I believed. Okay, cool. Let's meet in the middle here. Let's, let's agree to on agree to disagree yeah. on some things and and then it was like business then we're talking business because it was all business related yeah 
it was just like, all right, well, let's figure out a way to move forward with this. And like, I mean, it was, it was easy fix. Yeah. It just took a while to fix. We were both just being like, I mean, I'm 23 and you're 22. So it's like, were we being little bitches? We were being little bitches. (laughs) Yeah. We were acting like, because I mean, I was I was still in college when that happened. Yeah. So like you were navigating a lot, and I was navigating a lot at the time too. I think I was going through. I might have still had management at the time, or I was going through. The yeah, you were going. Yeah, you were going. going and through. so, I mean, that time was a dark time for me. Yeah. So it was just like we're both stressed. We're both young dudes trying to figure it out, and we were kind of just like, I mean, yeah. We were still learning. So it was like, how do we even handle this? Do we just like ignore each other? And we shouldn't have. We should have just called each other and figured it yeah. out. Because like it, it wasn't a... People need to understand. It wasn't a personal thing like, I hate Trevor Perkins. It was like, oh man, I don't agree that he did this with with my artist. You yeah. know, it's kind of... Speak kinda, for yourself. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, but we we talked and, yeah. and that's that's what I'm trying to show like real side of the music business is that's going to happen mm-hmm. but you need to put your ego aside a lot of people here have an ego including yeah. myself i do have an ego i do too it's okay and i'll sit here and i'll tell anybody that you know but you got to put it aside swallow your pride a little bit and you should be like hey i'm sorry for the way i handled that you know i don't agree with what you did and what you were doing with my artists and wh- however whatever the situation was and you just move on from it and you, yeah. you figure out a way to just get past it and be like, now well, this I will say happen. a year ago or whenever I met you, I would never thought that I'd be sitting here having a podcast or you having a podcast. Why? I don't know. I just never n- didn't expect this on the docket for you. Well, thanks. Like, but I'm, you're doing it. You're doing the damn thing. Yeah. I'm a Jack of all trades. I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. What's, what's the next, what's the next? Um, I'm going to make money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, that's what's got to be next. <laughs> okay. We got to make money. Yeah. Und- I mean, there's not much I wouldn't do for money. We just, <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke guys. Um, but yeah, sorry. Do you want to, uh, do you want to plug your socials? Yeah. So, um, you can find me pretty much anywhere. Um, Instagram is like the main thing I use. It's Trevor Perkins official, um, company wise, like has, uh, there's everything, um, yeah, plug, plug all their socials. Yeah. So country is just country magazine or mag. You can find us everywhere. Um, the rebrand, um, the company is perk co. Um, and so all our socials are perk pr co um and so you'll find all of us there um and yeah i normally i'm sure people get sick of it but my personal instagram feed gets very fluttered with business as well so just follow me and you'll see everything yep i'm the same exact way people want to follow me a lot because i post less of like my personal stuff and more just like i'm reposting music stuff like i can't remember unless it's like my girlfriend i can't remember (laughs) the last time i posted like a like just story that wasn't yeah i feel left out when's the last time you posted a picture of me cma fest <laughs> yeah so almost <laughs> like eight months ago yeah i think we were at this um lair cake yeah we were at the uh the 615 <laughs> house and uh i feel left out uh happy dad party yeah i feel left out it's okay 
it's okay but no this this has been great yeah i appreciate you coming on of course thanks for having me thank you all for listening to another episode of behind the music biz a raised rowdy podcast thanks again to our guest trevor perkins be sure to rate and follow the podcast you can check out more from raised rowdy at raisedrowdy.com and on social media at raised rowdy you can follow my podcast on instagram at behind the music biz and you can find me on social media on my personal account at peyton heben that's p-e-y-t-o-n-h-e-b-n and we'll see y'all next tuesday for episode 11 